Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to an all-new year of the STL Leaders Podcast. I want to take a moment and thank all my friends, family, and supporters who sent me kind notes over the last several years as I've done this show. And I'm excited for an all-new year to keep introducing your STL Leaders. Before we get to this week's episode with Carson Hetty, I want to thank my sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, and NapTime Creations. And now, to this year's all-new 101st episode with Carson Hetty. Carson, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Brian, great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, we've uh, been connected on LinkedIn for years and chatted back and forth. And uh, I took a little bit of break for the podcast during the fourth quarter. If you don't know, I'm in the HR outsourcing business and fourth quarter is nuts for us. So I took a little break, but you're my first guest here in 2023. And so I'm excited to dive in and talk to you a little bit about your past and your your um, enthusiasm around just sales in general. And uh, I'm obviously a sales guy myself. So let's just kind of start with you. Talk about growing up, your background, um, and you know how you got into the industry you're in. Sounds good. Will do. Um, so thanks again for having me, uh, Carson Hetty. I've lived in St. Louis for, I guess, now half my life. I grew up in <laughs> Cape Girardeau. Uh, so, you know, jump hop and a skip down 55 and uh, grew up there, went to high school and college there and uh, then wound up in St. Louis. It was just kind of my, uh, you know, let's let's uh, get out of the small town and, and branch out a little bit. I worked for AT&T. Uh, at the time, it was Southwestern Bell. I uh, yeah. worked there for about nine years, and uh, then I've been at Microsoft for about nine. I had a couple of little uh, jumps, hops, and skips in between, but uh, for the most part, you know, that was kind of my dizzying journey into sales. And so, um, you know, as I like to say, I kind of was an accidental salesperson. I didn't really set out to have a career in sales, but, um, you know, God gave me two gifts, talk fast, type fast, and uh, <laughs> it worked well. When I started out in the uh, in the sales center uh, at AT and T all those years ago, so um, I spent some time there uh, in the telecommunications business. Uh, I was a sales manager for a couple of years, and then I made a move into advertising uh, midway through that. And uh, some 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 great learnings. I spent a lot of time in kind of a a one call close uh, call center environment, and then uh, compare and contrast that to the last several years in more of an enterprise sales uh, uh, arena. So. Uh, in between all that, I managed to uh, write a book that got published 12 years ago. And uh, that was, um, while I haven't sold enough to retire, it was one of the best <laughs> things 
would happen serendipitously as it opened up a lot of doors that led me to where I am now. So I do a lot of coaching and training um, globally for sellers around prospecting, social selling. And um, I am also a sales director at Microsoft. So um, really, really blessed, really fortunate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, talk to us a little bit about your career and what led you to writing those because you've written more than just one. So talk to us about what what made you decide to write a book. Yeah, Brian, uh, growing up, writing was always something I really enjoyed doing. I, I, you know, it's funny, I started out just writing like little silly fictional stories about my friends and I going to outer space or time traveling, <laughs> or, you know, things like that. And then as I got older, um, you know, I took a lot of flair with writing college papers, but I always knew that I wanted to write something. Um, I developed an affinity for selling when I worked at AT&T. Uh, I was uh, writing a newsletter for our, uh, our uh, column for our newsletter uh, at the time. And it just kind of dawned on me, like, I really enjoy writing about sales because I was writing a lot of sales articles. Um, but I also realized, you know, hey, that's been done so many times so well. I don't want to compete in that arena. So what I kind of did was create more of a sales book inside of a book and uh, created a fictional protagonist who goes through a lot of these experiences. And I thought that would be something that could be relatable uh, for a lot of sellers and sales leaders. And so um, that's where Birth of a Salesman was born back in 2010. Uh, since then, I've written three more. I'm actually working on my fifth right now. Um, oh, wow. It's hard when you have a family of five and you have a full-time job and you have multiple side projects. It's it's challenging to find the time, but it is something that's uh, it's it's happening. It's it's being worked on. But I think the key element for me has always just kind of been I, I journal a lot because I learn a lot from going back and looking at my journals, where I was in certain situations, how I uh, made sense of them, how I navigated through them. And so um, a lot of that has helped helped me tremendously in writing my books. So Birth of a Salesman was your first book. You said you've written three other books since then. What what are those three books? Yeah. Uh, so in 2014, uh, The Salesman Against the World. Uh, 2016, A Salesman Forever. And uh, 2020, Salesman on Fire. And Salesman on Fire has by far uh, been the most popular. Um, that one was the one that really just opened up so many different conversations and dialogue. And each one of them has their own uh, unique kind of book inside a book. Uh, element in the last one, um, I personally interview uh, my fictional protagonist uh, throughout the story. So it's kind of oh, cool. cool. Yeah. Um, and then it goes back and tells some some missing pieces. So I mean, we've followed this guy now from like childhood to you know early on career, all the way now to you know middle aged veteran salesperson. So um, it's been a fun ride. The one that I'm writing today is called "The Show Must Go On," and it's really just about you know, especially as you look back over the last few years. Uh, for salespeople and just professionals and just people, um, you know, we've experienced some very unprecedented, you know, unthought of uh, circumstances, whether it's selling in tough times that we're doing today, the pandemic that we've sold in over the last few years. Um, there's a lot of things that uh, I think many of us have never encountered. And um, it can, um, I'd say it could take its toll, uh, but it can also, you know, I think it forces a lot of us to find ways to continue to navigate through these ambiguous times. And that's what the story is all about. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, you bring up a great point selling during, you know, the pandemic. Um, you know, my sale is, was a much more in-person type sale. We're selling a solution where you're outsourcing a portion of your HR department. Right. Um, so when, you know, during COVID that turned to more of a virtual sale, which, to be very transparent, I never sold that way before. Uh, I've been in sales since I was 19 years old, and it's always been sitting in a boardroom, sitting across someone's desk in an office, you know, reading the room, reading body language, reading all of that. 
Uh, and then to charge selling virtually was, it was a shock to myself. And again, I've been doing it since I'm 19, I'm almost 37. So how did you, I mean, in your role where you're at with Microsoft, you, you're probably doing a lot more virtual selling before COVID hit. Would you, is that correct? Yeah, Brian, you nailed it. I, I think it's amazing to look back and realize, especially with the way our schedules kind of are now doing a lot of things virtually. I mean, oftentimes I, I find myself, and I'm sure you do as well, you find yourself back to back, you know, on a lot of different calls throughout the day with folks. And what it did is it removed a lot of the geographical barriers. I mean, I yeah. talked to people all over the world every day now, but it, it amazes me looking back and realizing that I used to, you know, plot out my day of, okay, I can go see four or five customers today. And, you know, where do I start my day, you know, driving through St. Louis and meeting with different folks. And what's interesting to me now, because years ago, all of my clients, all of my team, they were in St. Louis. Now that's not the case. Uh, my team spread out all over the country. They support global clients. And so, you know, our conversations could be, you know, especially if they're um, with overseas customers. I mean, we could be into the night, uh, doing, you know, dialogue, you know, super early morning. Um, and then I've got, you know, people on my team that are East Coast, Central and Pacific. Sure. So, you know, just mapping out your day looks very, very different. But um, I had I have to agree with you wholeheartedly because it's just it's turned on its head uh, what we kind of knew as the old sales model, but new tools, new mechanisms. Um, you know, I started doing social selling about a decade ago when I was working at a small consultant firm before coming to Microsoft. And, you know, even when I joined Microsoft, I was using LinkedIn to go out and get executive connections and, and get meetings. And yep. people looked at me like, you know, what are you doing? You know, you're using LinkedIn to drive pipeline. What does that even mean? And now it's like, I'm so glad I have that muscle um, and that I do it at the scale that I do it because it is a game changer. And it, it just goes to show that a guy like me who has zero business being at Microsoft uh, had no technology background whatsoever. Uh, my team and I have been very, very successful because of using some of the skills that we've picked up over the last several years, but that have exponentially increased in light of the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about your podcast that you launched. <laughs> Another thing that is totally accidental. Um, <laughs> it's funny, Brian, because it's it's not a sophisticated swank production. It was never intended to be. I don't have the time. Uh, to do something, you know, super intensive. And so uh, what it was interesting is really at the beginning of the pandemic, I started having conversations with uh, just some folks that I was connected with, some friends, and then uh, some people that I was connected with on LinkedIn. And we've just, I was kind of lamenting not being able to sit around and have those in-person conversations about sales and leadership and team culture and all of those types of things. And then I, it just kind of dawned on me. It's like, I can literally talk to anybody in the world at any time, thanks to these virtual mechanisms. Like I can talk to my friend in the Navy who is uh, overseas. I can talk to anybody on a video call at any time. And so I started doing these kind of small, um, but it was, for me, it was geared toward how do I start a dialogue? How do I maybe say something provocative around some of the things that I feel like I know or that I have experiences in and start conversations? And so it was interesting because other people started calling it a podcast. You know, I was talking to, you know, people that I knew and posting these conversations and I put them out on different mediums, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, et cetera. And I had people start to reach out to me like, hey, Carson, I'd love to be on your podcast. I'm like, I, I don't even want to call it a podcast because <laughs> that implies commitment. But then finally, from a like a branding perspective, it just, once I had like 60 episodes or so, I just like embraced it. I was like, hey, yeah. this, this is kind of cool. And uh, it's, it you know, what's amazing to me too, Brian, is you think about, different ways that you can connect with clients or potential clients. 
I started interviewing my potential clients and customers on my podcast and talking to some of these leaders about like how they build team culture and, um, you know, just kind of their fundamentals, their pillars for success. And it's, it's amazing because, you know, I believe that deals are a byproduct of relationships. And so even these relationships that I entered into where it was like a podcast interview and I had no real intention of like trying to ever sell them anything. Ironically, now we're working on projects with some of these folks, which amazes me. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was, I'm an accidental podcaster, just like I'm an accidental sales guy. And uh, I just, I keep learning, keep looking for new ways to connect meaningfully with people. That's been the reward. It's funny when you say that, tell that story, it reminds me of my story because that's how this podcast happened. It was, you know, I was in the middle of June of 2020 and I was getting tired of not being able to get out and network and meet people. And I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to start a podcast. And she goes, you know, nothing about it. I said, nope, but I'll figure it out. And so we, I started this in June of 2020. We've had it. Well, you're the, going to be the 101 episode we've had. We were uh, and we've been, and the whole goal was just to interview leaders in St. Louis and let them tell their story to other people in St. Louis, right? Who can, who better can we learn from than the people in the, our community that we live in about how they got where they are today? And so that was the whole point of the show. But ironically, business has come from it as well, because, you know, to your point, I've, I'll reach out to a CEO and say, I want you on my podcast. And then we form a relationship. We have lunch and he's like, what do you do again? And I'm like, so I tell him what I do. And the next thing you know, he's like, well, we may have a need for that. Um, so yeah, ironically, that's kind of how this whole show got started as well. So that's kind of, that's kind of cool that yours did as well. Yeah, it's amazing. I, and you know, I think a lot of people, cause I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of coaching around personal branding and, um, I think it's key when you think about some of these areas, if you'd have told me three, five years ago that I'd be a podcaster, I would have thought you were crazy. And yeah. it's, it's one of those things though, you pick mediums that you're comfortable with, and you start to look at different ways that you can, because it's all about forming relationships. It's all about yeah. how can I meaningfully connect? How can I share some of my experiences, but also learn and grow? Like that's been the best part has been the connecting with people like you, people like uh, other folks that I've been on podcasts or interviewed people on mine, uh, where you, you keep taking little nuggets from everybody and it just makes us all better. So I, I love it. And, it, you know, I think where people get intimidated is when like, I've seen some people that they'll buy their, you know, their big swank production stuff and all of their tools and they get their big microphone and they get everything going. They'll do like five episodes and then they'll never, you'll never hear from them again. Right. And like I, I did the exact opposite. You know, I Me don't too. have any commitment. I don't have any schedule. I just kind of do it when it makes sense. And I do it with a purpose, you know, a, a means to an end. I just want to connect with people. Yeah, it's so funny you say that. I, I don't know if you know Lisa Nichols, who owns Technology Partners in Chesterfield. She was uh, she was my second episode. And like I said, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I recorded her episode. Then I went in to try to edit some stuff. And I accidentally deleted the entire episode. And so I felt like such an idiot, right? I'm like, oh my God, I just took this poor woman's time. Thankfully, she's a family friend. And so I called her. And I was like, Lisa, here's what I did. And she's like, no problem. We'll re-record it. It's all good. And so from it that moment like on, I learned to save the original file first before I start editing. But, you know, I learned by fire. That's it. <laughs> That's how we learn our best lessons. You know, I've learned my best lessons in my life when I got laid off or when I lost a big deal. Um, those are the types of things that I think set you up for success because you take that learning along with you. And I think that's the difference between um, people that are successful uh, is that you just you just continue 
plowing forward. You continue to learn from things that transpired. You uh, you see around corners better in the future because of the experiences that you've had. And I, I love that you're throwing yourself out there and doing those types of things um, because like literally that's all I do. I'm just... Yeah. Again, I, I I like to, I have to remind myself I got to stay grounded. I'm just a small town kid from the Midwest, and um, you know it's I've been very very fortunate because I've been surrounded by really brilliant people, and I have just tried to be a sponge and learn as much as I can from every single one of them. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's another another advantage I have of the podcast. You know, I'm interviewing all these leaders. While I'm a leader myself, I I manage a sales team of six people. Um, you know how many nuggets I pulled out of these podcasts that I have applied to my day to day life on how to manage an employee. Uh, said same. I, I love that so much because it's, you know, it's fascinating to me when I started out being on podcasts years ago, it was, I was sending messages to people that had podcasts, you know, people like Jeffrey Gettimer, uh, Jeb Blunt, other people that were in the sales community and they were saying yes. And then there was an impasse, you know, a couple of years back where I stopped having to ask to be on any shows. I started getting requests and it was, it was incredible to just watch that and I can't tell you how many times, just to your point, Brian, like in a given day, week, month, quarter, I'll utilize some of these golden nuggets that I've pulled from these conversations with sales leaders and luminaries of sales with my team. Um, you know, I listen to their podcasts. I've got them all on my, you know, queued up on my Spotify, you know, in my exercise or my commute, whatever it is, I'm always listening to this stuff. And I wouldn't be absorbing the, it to that degree if it hadn't been for, in a lot of cases, building genuine relationships with these folks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. How do you manage your like career? I mean, you got, you're writing books, you got a podcast, you work for Microsoft. How do you, how do you manage all that? Uh, not well. I, I'm flying <laughs> by the seat of my pants. Um, you know, I think there's a degree of ruthless discipline that we need to take around our scheduling and making sure that we're hitting our non-negotiables every day. But at the same time, like I'll compare and contrast where I was in my 20s. You know, when I worked at AT&T, I was always thinking about the next gig. What's the next thing? I was always building toward the next thing. I knew what it was. It was finite. It was, I want to be a manager. I want to be a senior manager, director, VP. I had that all baked out in my head. I, I don't think like that anymore. Uh, right now, I really just try to master the step, um, you know, master what I'm on, develop the, the discipline and uh, develop that command and mastery around what I do. So um, in my mind, like I'm not even... I, I, we live in a world where there is a real beauty to the fact that your next role may not even exist today. Yeah. Um, you know, that's the amazing thing. It's kind of freeing if you accept it that way is that, you know, I've had elements of my role that have been created for me because of some of the things that I was doing, like training and coaching, social selling. That's not a formal role, but it's been formalized within my role. And so I, you know, I've done training. Um, I, you know, they've done training uh, sessions and seminars that, that are required for sellers in, in all, all around the world that I'm featured in and that I've contributed to. And that's really cool, but it's not something that I thought about earlier on or that I kind of set out to do. So um, I kind of just look at things that I want to continue to uh, to tackle and do. And, you know, in my day to day, for me, it's it's more about the relationships as it is about, you know, what might be the next gig. Um, yeah. I try to gravitate toward great people, great leaders. Um, that's how I wound up what I'm doing right now. I followed a leader into a business organization. And, um, you know, now I work directly for her. And uh, that's been, you know, a phenomenal journey. Where where might I be a year, two years, five years down the road? I have no idea. I, I really right. couldn't tell you. Um, I, I've told myself, I guess, three times now that I'm done writing books. 
And uh, yet here they keep coming. You know, I have these ideas. I feel like I have something I want to say. It's a slow burn, right? I write when I can. Um, a lot of times that's at night once the kids are in bed. And, uh, you know, right before my wife gets to come out from putting our, our uh, youngest to sleep, right? So it's like I may get a page or two done a day. Uh, eventually, there will be a body of work there. So, you know, I just kind of manage it by the seat of my pants, but I try to be very disciplined around my non-negotiables every day, the stuff that I know that I want to do. Um, and yeah, it's been super rewarding. Yeah, well, I think that's the key is to your to that question is you're disciplined and you have non-negotiables about what have to get accomplished. I feel like that's my day. Um, there's I know there's, you know, I, I'm a big list maker. I make a list of, okay, these are the non-negotiables that I have to do. And if it's written on a post note, I got to do it. Um, that's how I manage my day and my career. Because I mean, to your point, I have a family, I got two kids, I've got a podcast, I got a full-time job. It's it's not easy to manage all that. But I think to your point, you have to be very disciplined in what those non-negotiables are that you got to accomplish for the day. I don't know if you know Rob Teshner, uh, but he used to coach me a little while back in the day. And he would always say, you know, write down what those non-negotiables are. And before you go home from work, they have to be completed. They're, they're the non-negotiables. Um, and so he would always tell me, you got to win the day to, in order to win the week, in order to win the month. Um, and so that's kind of how I live my life. Yeah. Master the step, master the moment. You know, I, I yeah. think back to this trip that I went on with my father-in-law and my brother-in-law years ago. Uh, but 2018, pre-pandemic, and we went out to Rainier in the Cascades. And it's totally out of my comfort zone, totally out of my wheelhouse. I mean, I'd been in scouts years ago. I'd gone on campouts and hikes, but I mean, nothing like this where we're, you know, climbing small mountains and and like going through like the back country, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but, I, you know, you could look at what you were about to, you know, scale or do, and it could scare the heck out of you. But um, if you master the step, focus on landing, you know, the step you're on, eventually you 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 look back and you're like holy cow i did all that and yeah. i think that's where i go just like you said it's i think every day you know i'm i do kind of my morning workout and you know that's when my head is at the clearest everybody's asleep so i have all the time in the world then to really think about okay what do i have to achieve today and if you do that time and time again that's where you're really going to be laying the the foundation uh, but you got to be disciplined at it that's it you got to be disciplined and focused and focused, focused on the key areas. Like think about, make sure that these things embody what you're all about and what you want to be all about. Because if they're not like, that's where you, you know, you got to shed the fat sometimes. Like I've come to times where there's been so much stuff that I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what did I get myself into? Sometimes yeah. you just start looking. And that's why it's ruthless discipline to scheduling. If I'm being brought into a bunch of stuff that doesn't add to what I want to be doing or what I want to be known for or what I want to exude, then sometimes you got to move some of that stuff to the side and get back to the non-negotiables. Absolutely. Absolutely. You talked a little bit about social selling during this episode. Uh, talk to me about LinkedIn. You said you were, you know, an early adopter of LinkedIn and using that to get meetings and messages. Talk to me about, you know, social selling, how you've seen it change over yeah. the years. Cause I, I, I have definitely seen it change since I used LinkedIn, you know, five, 10 years ago. Um, talk to me a little about that. I've always tried to be a, uh, you know, kind of a problem solver or problem eliminator, right? And so I hear my leadership talk about, hey, we we need more relationships with the uh, different line of business owners or, you know, hey, we need more uh, recruiting efforts in these certain areas. And, you know, it all comes down to people, right? So I always thought about, well, hey, well, like with LinkedIn as an example, I remember years ago when I got my first LinkedIn request, I was at AT&T and I was like, what is this? And, you know, over time you start to think about, I was at a small consultant firm years ago and you know we had to get C-level contacts, I had to get C-level meetings. And so I uh, just said, well, you know, there's a lot of these folks out on LinkedIn. Let me go out there. 
Um, and, and I realized really early on, you can, you can control three things. You can control the quality of your message to these folks, showing up with value, showing up with perspective. Uh, you can control the quantity of your outreach. You know, a lot of us have reached out to one, two, five, ten people. We go over the room. That happens to all of us. But if I reach out to 100 or, say, 500, uh, the largest deal I've ever closed, it was a nine-figure deal, and I reached out to over 500 people in this organization. I had over 200 first-degree connections. Um, you know, So you can control the quantity of outreach. It's all about probability at bats. I may not get that C-level contact, but I might be able to swarm all of their influencers and ultimately get to that person as an end result. And then lastly, the consistency, consistency of execution over time. And I always talk about creating all these mediums that you're comfortable with. I mean, there's new tools. I mean, you alluded to this, Brian. There's new tools that have come out over time. You know, I've dabbled with all of it. Facebook, Twitter, TikTok to my daughter's chagrin. And no, I don't do any <laughs> dances out there. Um, you know, Instagram, like all of these things. But at the end of it is a is an attempt to connect with people meaningfully. You got to go where your audience is. So whatever you're trying to do, whether it's create business relationships or sell books, there's people out there that you can connect with. And that's what social selling has been for me. Um, it became synonymous with my brand, ironically, at Microsoft, because I started closing big deals that wouldn't have resulted without meeting the executives on LinkedIn. So people were like, wow, can you show us how you did that? I started doing that regionally, then broader, then nationally, then globally. I've trained in 11 countries and I've got training that exists in over 100 countries um, around social selling. And so it just became synonymous with my brand, which is wild to me, but right. it really helped me get to where I've where I've gotten. Um, and that's why, again, going back to your earlier question, like I have no idea where it all goes because I'm just trying to fuel the engine, double down on what I'm passionate about and what I feel like I'm, I'm good at and I have some experience in. And wherever that takes me, I'm, I'm ready. Let's go. Absolutely. Let's do it. Absolutely. That's cool. I really appreciate that. You know, I always end this podcast, Carson, by asking my guests to leave me with one piece of advice. Um, that could be on personal life. That could be business. That could be anything you want. But if you could leave the audience with one piece of advice today, what would it be? A uh, mentor of mine, uh, also a fellow, now former St. Louis gentleman, um, once told me your network is your net worth. And uh, it couldn't be more true. I got laid off years ago and I didn't have a network. And I thought my experience and just what I had done previously would just walk me into the next place. And I was dead wrong. Um, it really comes down to relationships. And it's fascinating, especially at this stage in my career and my life, I can look back and you can, you can connect the dots backwards. You can't ever connect them forward but you can definitely connect them backward and you can see uh, where key relationships and act actions uh, really made all the difference in the world. And it all comes down to people. It all comes down to, um, you know, what relationships do you have? And um, that for me has been a springboard into, you know, where I've gone from a work perspective, but also just some of the most enriching things in my life. So uh, really be intentional about how you build out your network, gravitate toward people that you can learn from that are doing things great, so that you can learn from those folks and and uh, kind of bring that into your arsenal. So uh, double down on network and uh, you will be very much rewarded. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm a very big advocate of networking. Love the book, The Go-Giver. Um, just a, a, just a networking, and especially in St. Louis. It's very powerful, very powerful tool. True. So. Carson, on behalf of the STL Leaders Podcast and myself, I appreciate your time today and thank you for being a great STL leader. Brian, it's an absolute pleasure. Likewise, thanks for having me.